Hey everybody, hope you're keeping safe and well. Welcome to the TRX UK podcast. My name is Nathan De Rosario, and I'm the Education and Training Manager for TRX across the UK, Europe, Middle East and Africa. Welcome to episode three. It's taken a long, long time to get this up and running, uh, back up and running, shall I say. As you may have known, we've we already recorded two episodes before the UK went into lockdown and we've just taken that time off completely. Um, and as we've started to ease out the lockdown, I thought it would be a good time to bring the podcast back. Uh, with that in mind, I'm very, very pleased that I managed to get Jay Brockway um, on this podcast for an hour just to talk about his influence with TRX. He's a fantastic coach, a fantastic guy. Um, he's very, very busy, so I'm really, really privileged that he actually took an hour to sit down with me via Zoom uh, just to talk about his history within the fitness industry, the, his kind of story before we got into the health and fitness industry, and also, obviously, how he got involved with TRX. Um, as you may know now, he's officially part of the TRX family, if there is such a thing, um, as he's been delivering live TRX workouts uh, via our TRX Facebook page and our website with alongside his brother Nico, um, which has been going absolutely fantastic. There's been a lot of great feedback on those workouts. Um, so yeah, it was good to get his views on that and also kind of the world of virtual training uh, as we start easing off of the lockdown. Hope you enjoy the episode. As always, be good to hear your feedback. Yeah, so yeah, obviously I've got Jay here um, this afternoon. Um, how you doing, mate? You alright? Uh, I'm very well, mate. Yeah, I've had a busy morning, but uh, yeah, I'm all good. How are you? Yeah. All right, thanks. Yeah, keeping keeping busy. Obviously, the virtual stuff has kind of changed my day to day, but I've, I suppose I've got used to it now. Pretty much like I guess yourself with the the back to back. Yeah, so. totally. I mean, it's it's funny how it's suddenly you think, oh my god, how can I make this work? And then. It just becomes normal and you're back to back. You've got one client rolling from the next client, jumping from Zoom to another Zoom. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's great. Um, it, it's great. I can't complain with it, but um, it's surprising how quick you adapt, especially yeah. in this, this world. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, um, we'll touch on that a little bit. We'll go back to like your, your history, I suppose, in a bit, but I want to touch on that. So how you've, you mentioned like the transition, obviously there was a bit of panic. Um, for yourself personally, and obviously I know that you, you train with Georgia and, and Nico um, quite a lot. Did you, was there like a panic situation where we weren't sure where we was going to get the clients in terms of the, the, the virtual offering or was it just really a, a smooth transition for you? Um, I suppose, do you know what, right? I, I mentioned this before on, a, on another talk. Um, my client, Tatiana, um, flies back and forth to America and, and so on and so forth. And she'd actually said to me way before any of this has happened, can you train me while I'm in New York? And I was like, really? She was like, yeah, I'll just go on WhatsApp video call. I'll put my phone down in the corner of the gym. I'll put my ear pods in and you just tell me what to do. And you can see me from afar. It'd be fine. So I was like, okay, fine. So we did it. And that actually ended up being fine. Cause she went there for the summer to take her kids away for six, seven weeks. So it ended up not losing a client for me for that summer because we all know as, as trainers, when the summer comes, most of our clients fly away and then our income drops. It's always a, a tricky time of year for us. And it made me survive, so to speak, throughout that whole summer. And then as soon as obviously COVID-19 hit, um, I was okay with it because I knew that it was possible, but I never really thought the only thing I guess I, you could say I was concerned about is whether clients were going to actually go and purchase a TRX. Yeah. Because um, then it's telling them to go buy it. But then once they kind of had no choice in that aspect of they don't have the ability to jump in a car and come up to the gym anymore, that's been taken away from them. Then they've suddenly realized, okay, hang on a second. This TRX is actually phenomenally amazing where I can put it in my suitcase. I can take it anywhere. I can throw it over a door. I can do it in my back garden. And it, it's, that's, that was the only panic I would say I had on the aspect of whether they had that equipment. But as soon as, as, soon as they got it, it was absolutely fine for me. Okay, brilliant. And then like, you mentioned, obviously, your clients. Obviously, the one, the one issue, obviously, at the time, um, which uh, me and you will obviously uh, 
have our opinions on it that everyone should have a TRX at home regardless anyway. Um, yeah. For those people obviously that bought the TRX, was there any, any customers that were actually, um, caught, not cautious is the wrong word, but a bit wary that, that would have one-to-ones with you face-to-face and then obviously all of a sudden it's virtual. Was there any questions on whether they were still going to get, um, from their, their point of view, a good training session or was it just a case of the clients were 100% with you, let's just do it and let's see how we get on? Um, yeah, I'd say it was the latter, mate, to be honest. Um, it's always, a uh, they're not used to it, right? They, they don't know how it's going to go, whether they can hear me, where, where to put their camera, where you set it up. Um, will the internet drop out? And it's just, you get those little um, bits out of the way from the start. But then in terms of the session, I've trained my clients and everyone else, I suppose, who listen to this, when you train your clients, I don't know if you do this on TRX, but I'm sure you do because you're listening to this podcast is that. Um, when you've trained them so well on that strap and they can adjust those positions so like just a little saying through a microphone and I don't have to be there, I don't have to physically adjust them. Um, from the get-go within 15, 10, 15 minutes, they suddenly realize that it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. Uh, it's just I'm not adjusting the strap fence, which is amazing on my behalf because I obviously spoil my clients where I adjust the strap every single time and I never get them to adjust it. Yeah. So. That would be the one bonus coming out of this that I don't have to adjust the, the strap so much in the future. Yeah, yeah. But sure. Not at all, mate. I, I don't think it was uh, a problem on that side of things at all. No. And you've mentioned actually that you've, um, without going into too much, but you've actually got busier in, in, in many ways. Um, more clients, yeah. more training. Um, yeah. So, so in, in some ways, and that's what, you know, regardless of the, the, the face-to-face sessions, which obviously I know that you enjoy doing, um, but you've actually got busier during, during the lockdown. Um, do you think that will kind of then continue that, you know, the people that are doing virtual will continue to do virtual or do you feel some of them will go back to, so it will be a kind of a split, uh, or do you think there'll be new clients like that will do I, a bit of both? I don't know. I, I mean, the convenience factor, especially being in London for my clients, we all know that London is crazy fast if you have children, you've got to get them to school and then you've got that time where you can do the drop off and then they can come to you and then everybody has work or they work from home and so on and so forth. So they have certain periods of the day where they can only work from. And then you have worker bees who go to work and then they come home. They've got that one window of opportunity or they go out for a glass of wine and you've got those fine lines. It seems to be when training people in London and doing that, straight up chuck your TRX over a door and be in a workout convenience factor how much does that save that one person yeah Uh, a lot of my clients I don't think they'll come back and see me I honestly think they're going to keep it virtual I think some will because they like the social aspect of it but uh yeah I, I really like it it works both ways to me and that's purely and this isn't me upsetting TRX in any way shape or form it's purely because TRX is so good at, for you when you're doing it that yeah. you can go anywhere you want with it. And it's been proven because of the situation that we're in right now um, with COVID. So it's, yeah. I don't think, uh, let's just say 50-50, but I won't be surprised if it goes to more towards people just doing virtual. Yeah, yeah. Well, like you say, it kind of makes sense. Obviously, I've jumped on a, quite a few sessions with you. Um, which I normally probably wouldn't. It's only from fortunate to be in London at a time that you're free and, you know, yeah. be able to try and now I can kind of do it from, from my own house. Um, and obviously you're getting international clients now as well. So people that yes. would, would never have trained with you anyway, um, yeah. would have had no option to do that and have now got there. So, um, obviously off, off, uh, off conversation before we started this podcast, you mentioned someone in Kuwait, but, um, what other, countries are you actually looking after now um someone messaged me from italy the other day um and then there's q8 and then we got clients in america right now purely from doing the digital side of uh the facebook workouts that we've been doing people have been reaching out personally and it just makes you think like why wasn't we doing this before it, it it's it's just incredible that it was staring us right in the face and we just didn't think about doing it or you know clicking that switch so to speak and it was just it's been a massive eye-opener that it you can broaden your range of business experience especially in fitness that you know if you have a lot of instagram followers and suddenly 
okay, yeah, you know, if you've got a lot of followers and you've set that program up, but it's still different to have yeah. that being on a screen and have 25 people in your Zoom class, so to speak, it is these days. That is a really, really high end reach out across global for the sake of an Instagram post to say, train with me at 10 o'clock tomorrow. It's, yeah. it's, 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 um, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. No, that is, that is good. It shows how easy it, it can be done, really, if you, if you think about it. it is, obviously, I know you use uh, a TV for your clients, but you just pretty much need a laptop, a TRX, yeah. and, and away you go, really. Uh, I mean, that, could, that could be the aspect of anything, right? It could be you could just need a kettlebell. Yeah. However, let's look at it from the aspect of if you make that client buy 16 different kettlebells, that is a lot of weight that they, one, have to buy, and two, have to store in their house. Yeah. TRX, you pop it in your bag, you pop it on your shelf. It looks like an ornament. Flip it out your bag, chuck it over your door, and you can do every single pull push, single leg, plyometric move that you can that trainer can come up with on the spot. It's just yeah. it's just untouchable. And I think that the beautiful thing about it is, yes, there's just body weight too in the room, but that becomes limited to a point where you can keep people's imagination and keep them interested and TRX allows you to go wherever you want, when you want, and how you want to do it. And that's, yeah. that's why I love it so much. I think, yeah, you're right. It adds that variety to, to coaching because obviously, like you say, people can buy all the kit in the world for, for like their home workouts or they can stick to bodyweight training. Um, and to me, bodyweight training is boring. Um, and I think any kind of trainer could, could do that, getting someone just doing crunches Correct. or press-ups or whatever. Exactly. This adds, adds, adds a lot more... I suppose coaching to it and a lot more variety with that as well, um, which is which is really really good. Um, so yeah, I mean we'll we'll carry on the conversation with kind of like the future and, and kind of the situation that we're in at the moment. But kind of I want to kind of take it back all the way back um, with regards to how you kind of started in fitness, not necessarily just the industry, but obviously I know that you train a lot anyway, and you did prior yeah. to getting involved with TRX. So do you just want to kind of go into from there, I think it's from your school days, I think you've mentioned. Yeah. Okay. Too, yeah? um, so um, my mother is a personal trainer. So she teaches Tybo, Insanity, Legs, Bums and Tums five nights a week, every single week. No joke. Every day for the last 28 years Amazing. of her life. I have watched classes since I was a baby because we couldn't afford a babysitter. So I would sit and she'd sit me in the pram, so to speak, in the corner of the, yeah. of the gym. And I would honestly watch the class every single night at 6.30. And then my father um, is a four-time world champion kickboxer. Right. So in four different affiliations in that same weight class. Okay. So he has boxed and kickboxed his entire life. So when my father won his world title with his trainer, his trainer then passed away and handed the gym to my father. Oh, okay. So my father takes, take, took on this boxing club. Yeah. Um, and then my mum runs here classes before my father's boxing classes, which coming after. So every single night from 6.30 and 7.30, Monday to Friday, my parents run boxing, kickboxing, Tybo, everything that I just mentioned a second ago yeah. on the nights, Monday to Friday. So I've grown up in a gym my entire life punching, kicking, you name it, we've been doing it in that gym. And then there was the football side of it, went to a semi-pro level and then ended up moving to London at that stage when I, I reached that semi-pro level. Um, athletics, kind of just the jack of all trades, you could say. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, it's, it's been built off the foundations of, of my family. And then you obviously have my brother, Nico, who we all know about. Um, and Nico is already up in London. And I just wasn't happy at home and um, doing my job felt like I, I could give something else, but I didn't know what. Yeah. Um, and it was purely because when I was in school, um, I'm not very good at reading and writing. I'm, I'm dyslexic. Yeah. I F school at 15. I've got no GCSEs. Right. I've got nothing. I just woke up one day. My father owns a building company as well. And my mum was like, okay, don't go to school then. And I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> it was like jackpot day for me. And, uh, I just didn't go. I left at 15 yeah. and, um, I worked since I was 15 years of age up until 20 on a building site with men laboring, learning okay. about life. And effectively I say, I always say it now looking back, I went to school the day I left school. Yeah. And cause I learned about life 
and yeah. uh, who I was and what I wanted to become and, and, and potentially going on and taking over my father's business. Yeah. And I got to that point five years later and I just wasn't enjoying it and I just wanted to do something else, but I didn't know what it was. Okay. And then I came up to London and uh, for a night out just with Nico. And then I got back on the train and my mum was like, do you think you could move up there? And I was like, yeah. And uh, she goes, okay, fine, you're going. And I was like, okay. So at this point, what I failed to mention when I was 15, I'd saved all the way for five years because I couldn't have the money that I was earning. So I was working the full hours of a man yeah. But of being young, I couldn't get that money. So the money that I was being paid was being taken away from me and put away. So okay. when I was 20, I bought a repossessed house when I was 20 years of age. So I owned a house at 20 yeah. from the money that I'd worked with for the last five years. Um, so all of that was kind of in the background where I was going to sell that house and then buy my own house. So I'm using the profit of that. And then this whole London opportunity came and I was like, do you know what? I want to do it. So I still own the house that I have now. That just stays where it is. But then I moved to London and I came to London for four weeks to see if I liked it. And at the end of that fourth week, I was starting my personal training course. Okay. Now bear in mind, that's going back to school for me. So that was huge. Yeah. Like, oh my good God. And anything practical, I'm your man. Yeah. Anything when it comes to the theory side of things, I'm not your man. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, I, uh, it was tough for me, mate. So I, I moved up, I, I went, I did a six week intense course. So I went fully back to school. Yeah. It was just oof, the hardest six weeks of my life. Yeah. It was tears. Cause I just, I couldn't even write. My hand was shaking the first day I picked up a pen. Oh, really? I, hadn't up a pen. I hadn't even wrote on a birthday card. Yeah. I would rather go moon pig because yeah. I just don't, it just, it's just this real mental block that I have. Okay. Uh, I guess you just have a different way of learning, you know, practically as opposed to on the theory side. Um, and uh, yes, then I pa ended up getting past my course. I mean, somehow, some way, I managed to get through the theory. I was going to ask then. So, did the training provide? You don't need to mention who they are. But did, did obviously you mention obviously you're dyslexic, and did they kind of support yeah. you in that in that way? Um, yes, they did. They did, so to speak. They were great. Um, but again, it, it was just how my brain works when the mood, when, and the words all move and you see different words and you look back at it. I still do it now. Like I'll go to a cafe and I'll say something and Nico will go, read it again. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's the wrong way around when I first glance at it and then it changes. Okay. It's, it's really weird. But, um, and that's where, uh, why I'm telling this story because I, I tie it in towards my training in a second. So I ended up passing my course um, and a funny story for you. So on my, on my theory, I had to learn, uh, the nutritional side and I needed to learn the, um, anatomy and physiology. Yeah. So I'd failed the anatomy and physiology the first time. Right. And then the second time I did a massive amount of, um, studying for it. And I walked in and that day that I walked in, they were like, Jay, obviously today's the nutrition day, but do you want to do both of them? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do both of them. So Nico goes, right, don't bother doing the nutrition. We'll just go on the anatomy and physiology and then we'll tackle that one down the line. So I was like, okay, cool. I walked in, I passed the nutrition and failed the anatomy and physiology yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's typical, isn't it? Uh, it's um, all right. I, I mean, when I did mine, that's going back a few years now. Um, but I was more concerned with the anatomy and physiology side than nutrition. I thought, ah, oh, nutrition is nutrition. And that's probably yeah. shows how naive I was. Um, like, but anatomy and physiology that's the training so surely so you have to yeah. I thought I had to focus on that one and um, fortunately I passed both but I passed nutrition with the skin and by the skin of my teeth just because oh really yeah I just didn't take to be honest didn't really take much notice of it which obviously at the time yeah yeah no of course as bad as how nutrition is now in terms of like um, you know all the courses you can do and all the knowledge you can gain and all the information that's out there good and bad it was more about, right, I just want to get in the gym and start training people. So the focus for me was more on anatomy and, and physiology. So, yeah, different stories, but kind of ended up with the same results pretty much. Yeah, exactly, mate. It, it was one of those, and I just couldn't believe it. I was like, typical. And then obviously I ended up passing it, and then um, you pass your test, and suddenly you're like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> and then I ended up going to now bearing in mind I'd been training alongside Nico at the time I'd been learning about TRX now I like I said I learned differently so I sat in a gym for three four five months six months because obviously I was passing my test I and mean, you don't get clients when you first pass no but I was literally sitting and listening to every single trainer 
who you know that there's trainers out there who you respect and listen to who know their knowledge and you have some trainers who who don't let's let's we don't need to beat around the block we all know this this is life so the ones who i massively respected i just listened and absorbed everything that they were saying why is he saying it like earwigging so to speak but i sat on a box and i just listened constantly and watched and listened and took their jokes and blend them into my jokes and what they say at certain points and i was just getting all of that element into it because that's what you don't learn when you're on a course right and um then i did a pilates course uh well i say a course I went traveled for a job at bootcamp Pilates and I had to go through their course. Then I ended up passing yeah. and then teaching my classes. And then I ended up leaving within 16 months. I had a two week wait list on my classes purely from the class aspect of watching my mum and my father teach classes for years. I've got that class voice, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and then um, ended up just going down the personal training route for a little while. Um, and then building my clients, building my clients, I'd obviously left Bootcamp Pilates and then more clients had came to me. And then I drove past um, Equilibrium, which what was what me and Nico wanted yeah. to call at the time. Um, we ended up putting a planning application in on the D2 usage and it got passed and Equilibrium was alive. And then we did three years in Equilibrium. Um, and then we opened up a new site in King's Cross, which didn't go so well. Um, yeah, we can talk about that if need be, but we can skip it also if need be. Um, and yeah. then uh, now we're here in, in this situation where we're back with obviously COVID's hit and the business between me and Nico, it's still equilibrium, but from a personal front, Nico trains his clients, I will train my clients. Yeah. And then who knows what will happen and where this is going to go. As you said, as you said earlier on, you know now that um, the classes on virtual with equilibrium and that's where we're looking to take it down the angle and here yeah. we sit today sir so that's pretty much a eight year in six minutes good story mate yeah there's a couple of questions there but it's a it's a really good story i mean like you say like with the virtual classes obviously coming up to, to today like i've mentioned um i would never have got the opportunity to try i think i think i tried with you once when i was in london before um but yeah there's some of the the best not just virtual live or otherwise some of the best classes of I've, I've took part in um, and I, you know, I'm really fully enjoying it so I'd, I'd definitely recommend anyone that's listening to kind of give, give the classes a go um, for sure um, so then to go kind of go back on kind of the story um, obviously when you were growing up you, you obviously you've mentioned your mum and dad are, uh, have done great things within the fitness industry um, was there ever a thing because obviously you mentioned that you left school and you, you, you know you just got a job into you know uh, brick lane and, and stuff like that the construction side of it was there never um uh, like at the time did you want to go into the fitness industry was it just to get a job to get a job to get money or was it, the fitness industry always in the background it just wasn't the time for you to do it yeah do you know what it, it, it wasn't i never ever thought that i would be where i'm at today at the moment when i started to sign up for this fitness only it was when i started seeing personal trainers and going i know that i can do this and it's that was that was the that side of it, but no, never. I will be honest. It was never. That's what I want to be when I grow up. It was never that. It was always football. Every kid's dream. Yeah. Being being at Swansea and then, but it just never materialised. Just wasn't good enough. And yeah. Um, yeah, it it kind of all fell into place, as they say. Yeah. So it was um, kind of like the the career change, I suppose. Even though, obviously, like you say, your you, your whole family is involved in fitness um, in different areas. That it was more when you kind of got to London and spent time with Nico and kind of saw that side that you thought, yeah, I can give this personal training a go. Was that kind of the how it kind of all planned out? Um, like I said, after after watching and and seeing, I, I didn't actually realise how natural it is for me to teach people fitness because it was so natural to me and I hadn't thought about applying it into a business. Yeah. So for myself, so to speak. So I thought that it was natural that I just go, Nate, roll your shoulders back and down, keep your chest up nice and tall. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. I didn't realize that that was so natural to me. Well, it was natural to me, sorry, but I didn't realize that that could carry over into a business, sorry. Right, okay. So from that aspect of it, it becomes all the matrix code, as they say, makes sense to me when it never used to when I was in school. Sure. Okay. 
Oh yeah, that 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 makes sense. I get that. So from um, you know, going back to when you did your 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 PT course, um, what your level two, level three, was yeah. the coaching aspect you kind of got straight away, or you you seen that it makes sense? It was more just the study side, or was there anything from the coaching that you kind of learnt or didn't agree with, or just anything? How did you feel about the the actual coaching um, aspects of your level two? Level bit. I I do you know what right? Um, I couldn't do role play. Remember you do the role play where you go off somewhere and you go do it. I couldn't do it. I just, I couldn't pretend. And it was always one of those, like when I need to step up, I would, I would, I would still do it. There was no arrogance. God, I was, I was useless when it comes to theory. That's all I was thinking about. So the moment we'd leave the theory room, I go to a practical room and I would just be thinking about the theory. And then I couldn't role play because I knew that this stuff was so natural to me. So when it came to my, um, when it came to my practical course that day, funnily enough, is the guy who was assessing me was being assessed by an assessor. Right. So, and the worst thing on who did it fall on me being the one who he thought was going to be essentially the worst because yeah. I was the worst when it came to theory all the yeah. way through. That's always been the case all through my life when it comes to theory. And I'm used to that. So it was a kind of a moment for me to, for, to go, don't worry, I, I'm going to show you what I can do now. And it was like a moment for me to step up of when I haven't been able to step up for a long time through school because I just could never have the opportunity to. I did when it came to practical, like the 100 meter sprints and so on and so forth. But yeah. this was a time where I, I, it, it all started to make sense for me. Um, and then it came to the kettlebell course and the assessor and this is actually no joke. The assessor came up to me and said, what is your name? You're going to go very far in this industry. Oh, which was yeah. Quite nice. yeah, was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause I used to, um, I've talked about my background previously. So for people that have listened, but I used to be the assessor that assessed the assessor who was assessing the clients. Oh, wow. I know, I know exactly what you mean. Um, in that yeah. scenario. And it is tough because it also puts, you know, the client itself as in you, the student, you know, you can't get away from the fact that there's someone else that's watching the actor yeah. as well. So it's, it's it, you know, in some ways I felt bad because it, it's kind of, especially for someone that's, you know, we, there, there are a lot of students. It's, it's an exam at the end of the day. Yes, it is a practical aspect, but, you know, it's nerve-wracking. So the fact yeah. that you've got potentially two people that are doing it, watching the yeah. So, yeah, I, um, I, I mean, remember that. I remember that very good. well. That's really good. And so what made you kind of go into, you mentioned Plata's, which... To be honest, I, know, I mean, I've known you for years now, so I know that makes sense. But look for someone looking at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lattes, <laughs> like to be honest, mate. I'm sorry if that's uh, yeah, I know. I know. So, what made you want to go and do a Pilates course? Uh, do you know what, mate? A job. Right. Okay. Uh, it yeah. was to be to be completely honest with you. It was it was reformer Pilates. So it wasn't your classical Pilates. So you could say cowboy Pilates. Okay. So I'm sure bootcamp Pilates, if they were listening to this, wouldn't like me saying that. I'm sure However, you're gonna get a few emails about that now, but it's all right. So apologies on that one, guys. However, it's fact because when you go to a, a full reformer Pilates instructor, they would run rings around me. Absolutely, and that's why I wanted to say that. So. Um, I brought an element of functional movement onto a reformer and I added pikes and knee tucks and all the stuff that we do on TRX into a reformer class with some R&B music and had fun with everybody. And yeah, and it, it, it turned into a two-week wait list, filling out classes, six people on wait lists per class. Yeah, It was, it was great. And it, I mean, Maybe it was something to do with some of the peak times that I was working. However, people don't book if they don't like you. And that's just the way it goes with classes. You know, you've got to have that inspiration or so on and so forth when it comes to people booking your classes anywhere. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was, it was purely on a, a, a job basis, to be honest. Okay. However, that has what has molded my virtual class now and my TRX class into the level that I believe it operates at today. Okay, great. That is good. Um, so how did, how did TRX come about then? Let's, let's go into you know, the reason we're here, I suppose. How did, how did it all start with TRX? 
So it was the brother. Um, I'm sure Nico said this before. So his father um, worked for a supplement company and he um, he said, oh, do you, want, do you want this? And Nico was like, what is it? And then he took it, threw it in his boot and then one day Googled it, seen Fraser and Randy on a tree um, and was like, wow, look at that. And then all of the reformer work that Nico, so we, went, we worked at the same place, me and Nico. So that's why I followed in his footsteps, so, so to speak. Yeah. So it was easy for me to get a job because Nico was going to recommend it as well. Okay. So that allowed me to be on a platform of earning money to survive and live in London. And um, he, yeah, started adapting some of his moves, pull, push, all that sort of stuff into TRX via the stuff that he was doing in boot camp. And then the people yeah. who were in boot camp we're like, wow, this is amazing. So it's like a reformer 2.0. Sorry for you reformer fans there. However, you don't have a spring getting you back in when it comes to pikes. You've got your abdominals pulling you in when it comes to pikes. Yeah. So it's that, it's that kind of step up and allows you to do all different moves and make it heavier than just stay on a certain spring. So that's why I use the words 2.0. Um, but, and then that's where it all came in. And then I went off and did a CrossFit course and learned a lot from that and the way that they coach. I love the way that they break it down and the analogies and the live demos. And then I took an element of that and took an element of Pilates and then built it into TRX and put this into this chewing gum of kickboxing, athletics, boxing, football, you name it, what we've done through the years and just bowled it into this equilibrium ball of chewing gum and then kept shining it years and years and years and years and years, chuck that out, add that in. And it, materialized into a well where we are today um so in terms of the class aspect and i can only say that if you've done our class you'd understand where i'm going with it so which i know you have so that's kind of where it's gone mate in terms of yeah brilliant so what was your your first kind of reaction or feeling towards the the trx obviously that obviously nico that introduced you but when you first started having a play with it etc kind of what what were your I mean, it's going back a few years now, but what was your... Yeah, yeah, so I loved it. It was, um, so he sent me a program down. He was doing YouTube videos at the time. So I would, I would watch his YouTube videos and I would take it down my dad's boxing club, hang it up over the, um, the boxing bag and I would start learning on it. And then obviously I moved to London and then me and Nico were training on it and then he introduced me to the kettlebells aspect. And then I just trained kettlebells TRX and then learned about a barbell and learned about training and grew from there. Um, yeah. And then where it comes to on, in the school, what I failed to mention earlier on is, is when I teach people, um, I never want people to feel like I felt when I was in school and I couldn't understand it. So I don't really care what I talk about when I'm teaching. Yeah. I'll keep it all within guidelines. But if I've got a slightly go off guideline and you understand what I'm saying, yeah. so let's say let's talk about, oh, you know, think about a glass of water and this. If I've got to use an environmental cue or a crazy cue, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, if those people walk away going, I understand why now, and then they go and apply it forever, yeah. I've achieved what I set out to do. And that's, it just, I can't, can't not let people not get it. It just, I just can't, I just can't let it happen. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's a great way of looking at things from, from a coach perspective, because I think that's how coaches should be. And obviously, I think that's the difference between people that are knowledgeable um, and, and, and can't project that knowledge in a, in a way that people will understand. Um, so you can read all the textbooks in the world. Uh, and then some, some people that don't have necessarily the, the knowledge or haven't jumped on all these courses, but have that kind of uh, that coaching mentality where they're, they're still open-minded about it, but their presence is there if, if that makes sense. So I think, I think for you and Nico, and, and there's a lot more, and well, obviously these are the, some of the questions I'll ask towards the end that, that have the best of both worlds. Um, I mean, talking about kind of your coaching and, and obviously we're going into a bit more detail with TRX now, there's obviously, there's, there's two questions I want to touch on, but f- the first one is kind of your coaching style on the straps is, is and we've going, been going back and forth for a few years and, and having open conversation, is slightly different to what necessarily is what's recognised as TRX. And obviously we've, we've talked about kind of your gymnastic approach uh, to coaching in terms of the, um, the gymnastic plank as an example, uh, which I've done and I think it's, I think it's great um, to, be, to be absolutely honest with you. I think it's a great way of doing 
certain certain exercise well all the exercises to, to be honest with you but how did that come about did you actually know that kind of training before that's something that you were passionate about and then applied it to trx or was it you looked at trx and then said well let's see what else we can do how, how did that kind of concept come about so i mentioned i did the crossfit course and um kind of went down that crazy route for a little while um and i think that it is good for you it's great for you it's it teaches you to be you know, functional across all elements of fitness. And that's what I respect about it and I love about it. However, we don't need to talk about it, but I didn't want to go full like down that road with my clients and make them turn them into CrossFit athletes because I just don't think it's measurable enough. And for life, for some people who don't want to train at that level, yeah. I thought, hang on a second, let's take an element of it. Now in that element of CrossFit, there's gymnastics. And I found a guy called Carl Pioli, and a guy, um, well, yeah, basically him and then one more guy, sorry, called Dave Durante. And um, Dave Durante did a uh, some sort of gymnastic app at the time. I cannot remember what it was called. So me and my friend who I used to train with all the time, we started doing his app. And he started to get us on parallettes. And it was like internal rotates, so squeeze through your chest, push your frame up to the ceiling. And I was like, Wow. And then I started to research it and look at it. And, and then you understand the element of why they do it. Because when those guys carry it over on the rings in, in the Olympics and you see them lying flat and then they're flipping, you're like, how are they doing that? They are doing it purely from that gymnastic hollow body position that they create. So the moment you start Googling hollow body position, you'll see it and you'll be like, wow, look at that. And then you go and apply it and you think, good God, I can really feel my abs. So from a contraction purpose, you understand what you're trying to fire from the moment you do, you do it. And I thought, well, hang on a second. Why don't we apply that into a TRX? If I'm holding a parallette, why don't I just not hold a parallette and put my feet in it and take the same and apply it into TRX? And we started applying it. And then suddenly it just looked stronger. It felt stronger. And, I, and then I've said this a million times. How can you argue with a bodyweight gymnast who can yeah. do everything and they're in the Olympics? You can't. So yeah. I was like, okay, and let's start doing it. And then you could say the aspect of people were saying, oh, why are you doing this? And it, it but it doesn't always have to be one way, does it? No. Uh, and that's the way it is. So it's like, that's, that, that's just how I, how I teach my clients. I just like that way. I'm not saying the other way is wrong. I just don't think it's so strong because I think why would a gymnast, why isn't a gymnast doing it that way then? Yeah. Why is he doing it one way and maintaining that way and doing all of these unbelievable things? And then you can go and apply it into TRX and then suddenly you start doing swings into handstands and it becomes the foundation in my book to achieve all of the things that you see via our Instagram or the tricks and flicks that people seem to call it saying, but it's not because it's gymnastics. Yeah. And that's, that's what people seem to forget. You, you cannot argue with a gymnast and that's where it comes from with the foundation and yeah. why. So do you look at the whole kind of, kind of which kind of leads on to my, my second question? Cause it, it the, you do make some very interesting points. And obviously, like I've said, I haven't experienced both. I can kind of see why one way is done one way and one the other. Um, they're both safe. They both necessarily achieve what, what you're setting out to achieve. Um, but did you kind of kind of take that gymnastic, and I'm using that as a, a broad term, as a concept for how you deliver all the movements within, within TRX, so to speak? Was it kind of like, well, they're try we're trying to get the, the regular Joe, so to speak. I know that's a terrible thing to say, but like the general public to kind of move as much as possible like a gymnast would is that kind of your kind of whole aspect of how you deliver a whole session yes um i mean like what you've got to remember right is that there's a game within every single move that you do and i call it a game because games have rules football offside free kicks same thing if you're moving whether it be a deadlift whether it be whatever it may be there's rules Shoulder back and down, chest nice and tall. So from a rule perspective, that's just where I build it in my clients' heads. So like, it's just standards. 
So then when you hold that standard and you see this gymnast, look at the standards they hold. Pointy toes, shoulders long, arms long. There's that game and rule that they hold. So without telling my clients, okay, you're going to do a rule, I just build a rule and they don't realize it. Right, okay. I build a game, sorry, should I say. Yes. So I set rules, but I don't give them 4,000 rules. I give them three of the biggest threats. And then let's say three minors. Let's look at it like a driving test. So majors and minors, I eliminate the majors, and then I'll decrease the minors through time. Right. And I think about that across the board of everything I do. Yeah. Whether it be, okay, that client is good at squatting, but they have fairly weaker hamstrings. So then I'll go set that game. I'll set the, the majors up and then we'll take out the minors through time. And then suddenly they won't even realize that there was majors because I don't make them aware of it. I stay within guidelines. I don't go too much depth on certain things. And I just set rules and guidelines and we build it. And then their broad range of experience grows and grows and grows and their strength becomes better and better and better. Yeah. Okay. No, it's, again, it's, it's some really interesting points there. So from, from my point of view, obviously I know and a lot of people that know you, whether it's through social media or through working with you through TRX or, you know, kind of actually doing your kind of classes one-to-one or group for anyone that's kind of listening that wants to try it, obviously is, you know, but they're, they're unsure about it because they, they may think it's too advanced from what they've seen. What, what's the kind of thing you would say to someone that's, wants to give it a go, but it looks actually a lot harder than say, with respect, like another beginner's workout for, t- for TRX. How, how do you kind of approach those kind of clients? Um, well, it's the same as anything, right? Like with, with TRX, let's say our TRX class, you can always regress it and you can progress it right there, right then with on the spot. Yeah. So every single client, it doesn't matter if I have a gymnast and I have my nan. It doesn't matter because I will use the same coaching cues and I will say to that gymnast in a global perspective, in, in, in that room, I will say, guys, walk your feet in to make it harder. Walk your feet back to make it easier. So you can always eliminate the threshold of that classroom with the way that you deliver the instruction to that group. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So you can always regress things. You can drop to your elbows. The lever becomes shorter when it comes to a plank. You can take your feet out of the loops and put your feet on the floor and build to it. You can do things in reps and sets. You could do five repetitions, drop, get up, do another five. Or you could do, okay, 10 seconds, down, rest, 10 seconds. Next week, come back, do 15. You can set guidelines. And I coach like this as I go. Yeah. So I eliminate. So if there's someone in my class, I coach, I say, guys, take it to squats. That person who's been before is already moving so that she's getting a good workout. And then this guy over here, who's the first time, then I'll go, right, feet shoulder width apart, chest nice and tall, sit crease of the hip below the knee, stand and squeeze your glutes. Then I'll go correct that person because that person who's been before is still going with beautiful technique. Yes, they're doing more repetitions, but they're just going to gain more from that. And this guy who's going to gain from it as well because this is his first time of learning how to move properly. So it's, yeah. it, it, it's just threshold. That's all it is. Threshold yeah. delivery. No, so it, there's no need to be scared of it at all. It's just no. a case of trying it and realizing that TRX is for everybody and you can progress and regress anything. Yeah, I think that's the message. I think it's not just to do with, uh, say, like you and Nico as an example. I think there's still a lot of people that are intimidated by a suspension trainer just because they've, they've never seen one before or they've seen people, you know, like I say, do some stuff on social media that, never in their wildest dreams that they think they could do. So it's good to kind of get, get that message out there. Um, from my point of view, obviously anyway, looking after training and education that it, that it is literally for everyone. Yeah. Um, and, and the, that's the one, that's the one thing mate, that I would say um, about social media is, is that it can fool everybody, right? Yeah. You can, yes, you see that handstand and yes, you see that, that whatever you see and, but the problem is, is that unfortunately that gets you likes and that gets you comments and that's what builds your platform. Yeah. So you've got to give a little bit of that. But what I would like people to understand is, is that you don't just skip from the first stepping stone and then jump to the 18th. No. You step one, two, three, four, five, six, and so on. 
and that's how we teach yeah so you see our instagram for instance or you see mine or whatever but it's it's just that case of if you're active on instagram you can build the progressions and and so on and so forth but then yeah that that would be my only downfall that i don't like about social media hence why i don't really use it that much actually yeah um i i just i like nothing more than someone learning how to do a row and a pike and feeling a great after this session that is bigger than a like and a comment for me on instagram yeah yeah for sure for sure i mean it was um i was having another conversation nothing to do with this podcast but just a general conversation with people in the industry and they're asking me the same question about social media and what i said was is that it's it's also very difficult to distinguish what is good and what isn't based on the the coach because for example, I've worked with with some people on social media that have you know a certain amount of following as an example, but it's not until you actually meet those people and you actually sit down and have conversations that you realize, oh, actually, there's something about you. Um, and not to say that I didn't think that anyway to start with, but obviously it's very difficult to see, well, actually, who's legit and who isn't just purely from a 60-second you know, a, a video on social media. So yeah. it, it's very difficult. For someone like me and, you know, not based on my experience, but someone that's been in the industry for a long time now, if I find that difficult to say, well, that person to me doesn't look legit or that one does just purely on, then it's got to be near enough impossible for, you know, just general, general people that are interested in, in, in fitness. So yeah, um, it's hard, isn't it? It's really hard because like, unfortunately it's algorithm, right? You get up in the morning, you do a post, you do another post, you fall into an algorithm, you you come up on more people's magnifying glasses, you get more likes, you get more comments, you get more followers. Doesn't mean to say that that certain person's a better trainer. Yeah, yeah. And then you go, oh, do my TRX workout. And it's like, wow, <laughs> okay. So it, it's a dangerous, it is a dangerous field. It is a dangerous yeah. field. Yeah, definitely. So. If you find it, because I know we've talked about this before anyway, that you, you're not the biggest fan of, of actually keeping active on social media. So have you found that you've needed to do that more since kind of lockdown? Like you've had no choice? Um, personally, no. But being working alongside TRX now, it's made me go in front of a camera a lot more. Um, I actually don't mind moving in front of a camera, but I don't like talking in front of a camera. Right. Um, but now I actually don't mind it. Um, so it's kind of made me even better um, for myself, my own personal strive to goal to get to. Um, and I, yeah, that, that would be the, one of the definite positives coming out of this. Yeah. Um, but I haven't been active on that sense. However, I've been doing a lot of Facebook live workouts for TRX. And then my virtual classes forced me to speak to that laptop so i'm kind of used to looking at a camera now um before it was like whoa give me a room full of 50 people and i will coach no problem to the highest level that i can give to those people but it was just a a change for me but it's um no i wouldn't say i've personally been more active on my channel yeah but um i have all of my clients anyway so i'm with them five, six clients a day, giving everything yeah. to them via a screen. So, um, but no, it's great. It, it, it's definitely opened my eyes a lot more as opposed to what I could do on, yeah. a, on, on a camera as well. On a camera as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, you know, you know, Matt Gleed, obviously, um, he's one of my um, senior course instructors and he said exactly the same. He wasn't very active on social media. Um, but you, you look at him now, you think he's been doing it for years because he's, he's embraced YouTube, Facebook Live, TRX yeah. Live, TRX Virtual Courses. Um, and he's found that, you know, this is actually a benefit from, you know, the situation that everyone's in. It's kind of a positive aspect. So it was just, it was just interesting to get your views because obviously we've spoke to Nico who's active on social media anyway. Uh, yeah. And, you know, he continues to be active and he's, he's very good at that side of it for sure. So it's interesting to get get the views of people that aren't so weren't so active, but now have either got that either to step up or just be, you know, do it if they need to do it. So, so that yeah. yeah, it's forced things, isn't it? it? It's you've got no choice, otherwise yeah. you can't pay rent and you can't live. So it's it has forced you. Um, if you have a platform prior to it, you can just switch into digital and train them one to one, but in terms of reach out and it is, it's key. It's really, really key. But I just, 
it just doesn't warm to me in terms of it's very saturated. You see 4,000 kettlebell swings. You see 4,000 goblet squats a day. Yeah. So it's kind of like let people do that and I'll keep doing my physical. And But it's forced me to be in this digital aspect, like I said. So yeah. um, the one thing I'd say, what, it, what it's massively done, it's made me change my vocabulary for virtual. Okay. Change from a physical to a digital, where do you put the camera? Make sure that you can maybe demo the move before they go do the move. Otherwise, if you tell them to do the next move and they don't know what's coming, you will lose the flow of your class because then they will stop and then they have to look at the camera if it's behind them. And it's little things like that. That's one thing that's really made me switch my game up, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I think, like you say, everyone's had to embrace. Even I. I mean, I, I'm I'm not no longer a trainer, but I host the virtual courses, and and that that was a little bit of a learning curve to me because yeah, I have to introduce the courses and 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 give the spiel, so to speak, and then actually look at the Zoom cameras for the different instructors and make sure that flow of it's really good. So yeah, but I think everyone's had to embrace it in one form or or another for people that were literally just doing face to face you know yeah. eight weeks ago now is it so so yeah so it's very very interesting so yeah we're coming coming towards the end now so yeah thanks for your time obviously there's there's you probably don't know this but there's a set of uh three questions that i normally ask everyone um okay. just to kind of finish it off and then we just wrap it up so the first one because obviously we talk about trx all the time but yeah. nine times out of ten it's always about the suspension trainer so the first question i want to ask you is what is your view on the TRX RIP trainer. What's your opinion on oh, the TRX RIP trainer? RIP is amazing, mate. Um, I'd set up a class actually with the RIP trainer. Um, it is, people love it. They love the, people like, funnily enough, people like to punch and kick things. Yes. Yeah. I can say that because I've watched people box for years with my father. So as soon as you get that aggressive rotation with a hockey slap or a, or a samurai strike, the first time you put a rip trainer in someone's hands and you break it down for them, they like, ooh, I like this. And you give them the confidence on how to do it and why they're doing it. Suddenly, because it's the most functional tool, right? How do you throw a ball? How do you throw a punch? How do you catch anything? It's core to extremity. So as soon as you teach people to push from their core out to extremity and use their glutes and their hips and twist off their back foot, it's just, yeah, I love it, mate. I think it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. No, brilliant. I, I, I totally agree. Do you think, um, however, it's a, it's a bit more of a higher learning curve for, for, for people to actually get to grips with? God, yeah. 100%. Well, if you think about it, mine, think how complex a kettlebell and a barbell is. And people don't seem to have any problem walking into a CrossFit studio and snatching a bar above their head. We're asking someone to rotate a band outwards with rotation that could be on a medium band, heavy band, or an extra heavy band. So um it depends i suppose and yeah i mean i would say no actually yeah well that's that's interesting so just no compared to a suspension trainer would you say it is more of a or would you say just as easy it all depends on the client that you've got and actually how you're coaching it yeah yeah i i, I for, for me anyway and that's because i'm experienced on a rip though so um but no i, I think that's far more complex to get someone to snatch a bar above their head with 15 people in a CrossFit class, for instance. Yeah. So do you think it's just based on it's maybe, and you say rotation, but obviously we, which to us is a, it's, it's a natural movement that people yeah. do every day. But I suppose in a gym environment, rotation with any kind of resistance is yeah. lacking. So do you think that's potentially why in terms of the, the clients actually getting what you need them to do on a, on, on a regular basis. It's just more of a learning curve for the clients than the coaching side, would you say? Yeah, of course. Like, think about it. If they all play sports, you just say, well, think about it. You're hitting a tennis ball right now. How would you hit a tennis ball? Yeah. How would you hit a football? How would you throw a box in left hook? Everything is the same. It's just all rotational purposes. Yeah. And when you break it down to a sport to apply it into a gym, they go... Oh my God, yeah. Now, an athlete, for instance, is different because they train rotation all the time. So as soon as you say, now you're going to do rotation with resistance, they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. So everyone I've ever trained on rep loves the rep, yeah. period. No, brilliant. No, that's really good. That's, again, a really good 
explanation because a lot I think a lot of people still don't know, and that's that's our fault. And when I say our fault, I say TRX's fault that we just kind of really haven't showcased it enough. So people yeah. that have seen it, it's like, well, I may give that a try, or you know, they only see one stick in in a gym as an example. So cool. yeah, it's good to it's good to get your point of view on that. Um, so the second question is. Um, What's your favourite exercise on the TRX suspension trainer and why? Uh, do you know what? I would say a TRX row. Okay, yeah. Because we are all desk-bound or sofa-bound and we all internally rotate through our shoulders. We round our shoulders over ourselves. We put our head down. We look at our phone because we're constantly scrolling on Instagram and liking things and then Amazon and how access to the world right now these phones are these days yeah. the more round through our shoulder the more bad position we're falling into and the older we get the more rounded we get and the worse it becomes so I think that everyone always says squatting is the most king of all movements I think a row is just as important for every individual in life yeah, no, I, I agree, especially especially on a TRX, I think generally just for life, but obviously there's been some research done in the past um, by a few unis that we kind of claim that we we own the row because of the amount of muscle fibers that we generate through, through yeah. activation on a row compared to other pieces of equipment that does the same exercise. So, you know, people that have, have listened to me or seen me before, kind of, I, I agree and I would say the row is... Is up there as my favourite and best exercise for yeah. sure. And then the last ex, the last question. Sorry, before we kind of wrap up, um, who is who is currently impressing you on the TRX at the moment? And you can't say Nico. So who else you can think of? And it can be anyone internationally. You can meet as many people as you like. Actually, you know what? You've either seen them on social media or you've you've met them on a one to one. So it could be your clients. Yeah. But you know what? I'm impressed by that. So who, who do you write on the straps at the moment? Oh, I, there's loads of people that I rate. Um, I would, phew, God, uh, Georgia Leg, Zoe Shelley, Steph Warwick, uh, Charlotte Tooth is amazing. Um, but then there's this one girl who, uh, who I'm going to train up actually. And her name is Ray Clark. And she is. Oh, awesome. For a rookie. Phew, she is, she is very, very impressive. It's quitting. She's actually jumping on my course tomorrow. I okay mate she is she is gonna be a superstar good um, yeah but no that would be my, my yeah 100 percent. the choice is there obviously I've, I've had the pleasure of of meeting them all anyway or at least kind of seeing them on social media so i agree there yeah yeah, yeah. um but then obviously like i said there's, there's loads of guys in the u.s as well who are amazing yeah but already know that like miguel is is fantastic and zach yeah. and lewis like they're all great um yeah. Uh, and Quincy as well, who I met on the course in... Uh, yeah, yeah, Quincy. Really. He's, he's awesome. Like, there's, yeah. there's some badass TRX people out there. Yeah, definitely. We, we are fortunate. Oh, I am going to say he's fortunate that we've got these kind of people. Um, oh, yeah. Myself and, and Nico um, in that TR, TRX cadre, as Americans like to say, which yeah. I don't think I'll ever get used to, but there you go. Um, yeah, so yeah, so Joe, thanks, thanks for your time on on the chat today. I, you know, I do appreciate. I know that you're extremely busy at the moment, so to so appreciate taking the time. Um, for people that want to kind of get in touch with you, um, obviously do your class, check out your social media. Where, where's the best places to go for people? Um, so my my personal one is Jay Brockway EQ. Um, don't expect too much. <laughs> um, there's a lot of old stuff on there, but um, yeah, there's that one. So that'll be my personal one. More old on the stories gold, on. I'll say it's old but gold. <laughs> and then Equilibrium would be the one where it's the most updated one. I'm saying like I don't post every. I do post, but you it's know, not every day. Is it? Not every, yeah, not every day. Um, so yeah, it'd be J Brockway EQ, and then it'd be um, We Are Equilibrium. And then uh, our classes, which you can access via the uh, We Are Equilibrium. And um, yeah, let's let's see what the future holds for us, right? Yeah, mate. Yeah, well, I wish you all the best. Obviously, you know, we're, we're quite close now anyway. And then, you know, uh, as soon as lockdown comes, I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot more of you actually face to face. So Absolutely, yeah. Mate. Um, yeah, all the best, man. I'm sure you're going to be a success anyway in whatever you do. So again, thanks okay. a lot for your time. Thank you, mate. Awesome, mate. Okay, so there you have it. Uh, an amazing chat with with Jay, um, as I'm sure you will agree. Uh, so yeah, so thanks again, thanks again for your time today, mate. Uh, really, really appreciate it. 
Um, and that's it for today's podcast. Um, obviously, if you want to keep in touch, you can find us on, on Instagram at TRX underscore UK or on Facebook, TRX Training UK. If you want to reach out to me personally, you can. Um, best place again is Instagram and it's at Nathan TRX. If you're looking to purchase TRX equipment or our TRX qualified uh, education courses, then feel free to check out further details on our website, which is uh, trxtraining.co.uk. And I look forward to speaking to you again on episode four. See you soon, guys.